0: Welcome to Piedmont Arts, made possible by Quovadis and Ortho Carolina. I'm Rachel Stewart. Our guest is Kathy Youngblood, who is the artistic director of Caritas Acapella Ensemble, which is based in Charlotte. And for the past year and a half, like so many organizations, Caritas's in-person performances have been on hold because of the pandemic. They were hoping to come back with an in-person concert this fall, but uh, we're, not, we're not quite ready for that. And uh, they have instead planned a really beautiful program for October 22nd at 7 p.m. that can be enjoyed virtually. And Kathy is here to tell us a little bit more about that. So thanks for joining us today.
1: Hi, Rachel, it's good to be here. Um, yes, we are going to be streaming Eric Whitaker's The Sacred Veil, it's a work that is has such an incredible story behind it. The stream will be at 7 p.m., and it will be able to be viewed on the Caritas Acapella Ensemble YouTube channel. So our hope is that everybody can enjoy this concert from their, the safety of their homes.
0: You know, with this, uh, I, I think what we have learned is that singing and playing wind instruments maybe present the most um, hazard, <laughs> I guess, for musicians playing together, So um, I can imagine that making sure you've got everybody spaced out is really important. And are you all um, in a studio when you do this concert? We we sang it.
1: No, the the concert, it it will be filmed and recorded at Sharon Presbyterian Church in their sanctuary um, on the chancel. So we took up the entire chancel and spread everybody out. And we're wearing specific singer masks that allow the singer to be able to have a little bit more air around their mouth so that when they're inhaling, they aren't inhaling fabric.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about The Sacred Veil by Eric Whitaker and why you've chosen it for this concert.
1: In February of 2017, I attended a concert at the Duke Chapel by the Eric Whitaker Singers. And as part of their program, Eric turned around and said, I'm going to introduce you to a piece that I just this afternoon finished writing. It's hot off the press, it's called You Rise, I Fall. And it's part of a project that I'm working on with my friend and collaborator, Charles Anthony Silvestri, known to him as Tony. So we'll refer to him as Tony from here on out. And and it's the story of the loss that Tony experienced when his 35 year old wife died of ovarian cancer. And this particular movement is the the moment when her spirit rises. It says, you rise, I fall. Her spirit rises, leaves her body, and his spirit falls into the depths of despair. So it's an incredibly emotional piece of music. That particular experience, None. I, I think maybe one other movement perhaps had been written at the time that he shared that in 2017. But from that moment, when I first heard that, I thought I'm gonna wait for this entire work to come out. I can't wait to hear what this whole thing is like. So they say that the best concert is a story or tells a story. And this is certainly one of those stories that you feel instantly engaged with. Now, um, Eric and Tony have collaborated for over 20 years together. They consider each other best friends. So uh, in many ways, as we learn about the piece, we see how their friendship deepens uh, through this experience. But Tony, uh, on one occasion, stayed with Eric and his family while attending his aunt's funeral. And he wrote a poem for his aunt's funeral called The Veil Opens. And he left a copy of that poem on Eric's piano. And then Eric, when he saw that there, he sat down and he says normally that, that words or text, uh, poetry has to live with him for days or weeks before he kind of feels the music come out of it. But he says it was an instant thing that happened. The music just wrote itself. So that became the first pillar of this larger work. And then You Rise, I Fall, I believe, became the second pillar. And then they filled in the pieces from there. The libretto was put together by Tony, who was just a a very well-known lyricist and poet. He includes his own poetry, but he felt that it was really important for his wife, Julie's voice, to be heard in the context of the story. And so he includes portions of her diary or her blog entries that are really pertinent to the emotion of the story. And then Eric Whitaker also included a few pieces of his own poetry to, to complete the libretto.
0: Well, why don't we listen to You Rise, I Fall, or maybe you could point out a place that would be good to listen to that. Um,
1: Let me mention here uh, that You Rise, I Fall includes the skill or the technique of portamento, vocal portamento, common in stringed instruments, but not so common in in choral music uh, up until now. And I I believe that in the 21st century in particular, we're gonna see a lot more of this, but he makes such incredible use of, of portamento and of dissonance as the voices work their way up towards heaven, creating this feeling of elevation that doesn't happen one note at a time. It's just a, a constant stream of, noise, of, of sound rising gradually up towards heaven. You Rise, I Fall also includes um, text sung by the men, but the women's voices and sometimes the tenors will have this haunting uh, humming sound going on in the background, which personifies her breathing as, as she approaches death. No, the the use of silence is also like, you know how oftentimes when when, um, a a person who is approaching the end of life is breathing, there's greater distance, uh, time distance between one breath and another. And so the use of silence here is crucial. Um, There'll be moments of silence where you think there's nothing, but actually then you hear her take another breath. feel the intensity of of that um rising and falling um which happens three times throughout the piece but makes me yeah. take a, makes me take a deep breath each time i hear that
0: <laughs> yeah that is very intense and powerful
1: So this is the poem that was left on Eric's uh, piano. It says, whenever there is birth or death, the sacred veil between the worlds grows thin and opens slightly up, just long enough for love to slip silent, either in or out of this, our fragile fleeting world. Whence or whither a new home waits and our beloved ones draw near in rapt anticipation, or in weary gratitude, they stand. Our loved ones stand so close, right here, just on the other side of eternity.
0: That's really beautiful.
1: Yeah, it really, really is. It actually uh, made me think a lot, not only about moments of, of death, when we do sometimes sense that even though that the, the life is no longer in the body, we sense the presence of of the loved one, but I had never thought of it in the context of birth, that a soul that has not existed on this planet enters into the world of the temporal. So I just, I loved that being able to see that birth, which is one of the greatest joys of uh, that we experience and death, one of the greatest sorrows that we experience just, are those moments when that veil uh, that's that thin veil uh opens up slightly and lets love go in or out
0: and that is the sacred veil that, that the is t-
1: the sacred veil right and um, one of the things that eric does so masterfully is he does a lot he uses a lot of symbolism and he creates the sacred veil the symbol of the sacred veil musically is the note middle c that is the veil note, and you'll find throughout this entire piece that very rarely do we ever leave the key of C minor, and some of some variations uh, thereof. But the piece starts with the cello, with the, cello, the first cello entrance is a long C. And then the very last note that the cello and the choir sing to, uh, play and sing together is middle C, which just kind of fades out into nothing. So the bookends of the piece are the C of the of the veil. And if I look at it on the piano, I think that the notes below middle C represent the temporal world. And then the notes above middle C
0: represent eternity. And um, it kind of neat how that works out. Is there another part of this work that you want to talk about?
1: Let me talk a little bit about the story and how it unfolds. The work is comprised of 12 brief movements. And so all together, it, it makes up about an hour of music. The bookends are single movements. The first one is the introduction, which is the poem that we just talked about, The Veil Opens. And the, the ending one is a, uh, a chorale. Of like a just after all the emotion of the death of this woman, is just a, it's a beautiful chorale called Child of Wonder. So, in between, we have the remaining 10 movements. Movements two to five are focused on the relationship between Tony and his wife. So, cancer doesn't even enter the story right away. Then, movements six through 10 are uh, introduced the cancer diagnosis. And um, I'd like to spend a little bit of time sharing a piece, um, the sixth movement called I'm afraid we found something, which is basically what the doctors would have said to share the diagnosis with her. It's packed again with emotion, with fear and anxiety brought on by the devastating words that no one ever wants to hear. And then you can experience the the confusion that she must have felt with all of these words being poured into her brain, how to interpret them, what, what the implications might have meant, they're spiraling around in her head. That gives you a flavor of of that whirling of of information going on in her mind and the fear that must have been there. So that started the the cancer diagnosis part of it. And then let me play a little bit of number eight, which is called Delicious Times. I'm going to read the text because uh, I just find it interesting. The text reads, my hair started to fall out at precisely one o'clock on my birthday. By Thursday, it was making a terrible mess, so the kids helped me shave off whatever was left. They picked up my hair from the ground, and they slapped it on my head and said, you need more hair, and they would laugh and laugh. And at bath time, I wore my wig, and they would beg me to take it off and put it back on again, and they howled with laughter. At bedtime, when my little one plays with my hair, she just stroked my head and said, it's so soft and clean. That to me is um, a woman who is looking for the silver lining and trying to be strong for her children and to look for the good times um, amidst all this suffering and pain that she's going through. I had mentioned earlier how middle C is the veil note. One of the other musical symbolisms that he uses throughout is the Julie theme. It goes from C up to E flat, up minor third and back down to C. And that's used in the, in the piano introduction. And it's used th- throughout the entire piece. You recognize when he's talking about her, he incorporates that theme. And so that's the Julie theme. And then there's the cancer theme, which is a, a major triad in the, ma- in, the, in the lower voices juxtaposed against a minor triad in the treble voices, creating that tension of the mutated third. That's his the way he symbolizes cancer. the other thing that he uses is what he, what what eric Whitaker calls his golden brick uh, he stresses the importance of a text by giving it a threefold repetition and this becomes a building block that he uses throughout the entire work I don't imagine that many concert goers relish listening to music that invokes grief. So it, in many ways, it's a kind of like a risky topic for a concert. But at this time in our world where the coronavirus pandemic has pretty much piled grief high on all of our plates in one form or another, I felt that maybe we need permission to sit with our losses for a moment and allow ourselves to grieve them. I think of healthcare workers uh, who watch thousands of patients perish, even though, you know, and they try to save their lives, but they can't. And they also face the fear of exposing their own families uh, to the disease. I think of mental health that's lost in various ways through depression. I think of people who have lost their loved ones to cancer or other illnesses that are not COVID, but haven't been given access to care for them in the hospitals or maybe they've even had to watch their funerals on Zoom. I think of people who have lost their jobs and financial security with layoffs. I think that there's just so much going on right now in our world that revolves around loss, that we're all in some sort of survival mode. So I feel like Julie's story is relatable to all of us in some way. It's not easy to listen to it, in fact, I'll have to tell you that three of the Caritas singers opted out of participating in this concert because they didn't think that they could make it through it without falling apart.
0: I was going to ask about that because it's so emotional. Um, I know for myself, if I'm, and I'm not a singer, but if I'm singing in church or somewhere where the situation, a funeral or something is emotional, I can't, I can't get it out.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it's one thing if you play an instrument that doesn't require your, you know, your breath control, but if you're crying, you can't sing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, I was at a little bit of an advantage to the fact that all I'm doing is I have my back to the audience, but I have my hands moving and I can cry. I, You know, I, this has been a, a good experience for me to in some ways relive the passing of my mom, who died at age 45 of cancer. And so much, so much of the scene, in particular, You Rise, I Fall, just really uh, touches my heartstrings in a particular way that really took me up. So I, I absolutely understand. But the moments of pain that we go through when we're experiencing a work like this, they help restore my soul to a place of hope and peace. And that is what I hope will happen as our audience watches this concert, that they will allow themselves a moment of grief and that they will, especially in the last movement, find uh, a place of peace and hope as they face the world without their loved one.
0: Well, I think it's a um, actually, like you said, maybe an unusual but a, an appropriate choice for where we are right now as a country, as a community, everything. So we'll look We'll look forward to that performance that's coming up October 22nd, uh, for sure. In a couple of minutes that we have left, do you want to tell us what's coming up in the spring? And I'm I'm sure you're hoping for an in-person performance at that point.
1: We are indeed. As a matter of fact, we kind of hoped that this one could have been in person, but we're still uh, just kind of watching the circumstances and we need to be responsible. But um, back in 2019, Caritas commissioned a work by North Carolina composer Dan Locklear. Um, it is a five movement cappella piece in celebration of music. There is really no better way to walk from a moment of grief into a moment of celebration than to just sing about the joys of music. It's about a 20 minute work and it carries you through some of the, the, the impact that music has on our daily lives. Some of it is serious, some of it is actually quite humorous. Uh, So we're just really looking forward to a world premiere of this work and make it available to other choirs um, around the world and hope it will be wonderful. We're going to be pairing that with other forms of, of celebrating music.
0: That sounds great. So we've got something to look forward to.
1: Absolutely. I wanted to make mention that our concert is sponsored in part by the Levine Cancer Institute. And I also wanted to make mention that part of Caritas's mission is to partner with other nonprofits in the Charlotte area to make their mission known to our audiences and to share a portion of our concert income with them to support their work. And so for this concert, we've chosen psychology for all. They saw a great need for psychological care among portions of the population that can't afford it. And so they offer psychological care for various mental health issues, including grief, uh, and they and they're offered generously to those who qualify as individuals who who need it.
0: Okay, that's terrific. Well, thank you for letting us know that. And I hope all goes well. We'll look forward to that that video premiere. Again, it's coming up october twenty second at seven pm on Caritas's YouTube channel. You can go to their website. To get more information about that, which is, you want to tell us what that is?
1: It's www.caritasacapella.org. Caritasacapella.org.
0: And WDAV uh, will be co streaming that as well on our Facebook channel. For Piedmont Arts, I'm Rachel Stewart, and Piedmont Arts is made possible by Quo Vadis and Ortho Carolina.